Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I was not on staff anywhere, but I knew I was called to ministry. I remember going home that night and I probably looked like death when my wife saw me. And I just, I told her, I said, this, this is not it. And it looked like such a great opportunity, but it wasn't from the Lord. And the lesson I learned was that you got to pray about every opportunity. And so that one, the Lord said, I didn't shut that door. I want you to feel the burn of walking through every open door you see without asking me. And so sometimes the Lord will open doors. Sometimes the enemy will open doors. Have you ever gotten an opportunity you didn't ask for? It may have seemed like it was perfect for you. But once you got into it and started working on it, you realized maybe it wasn't for you. As Pastor Bill illustrates, not all seemingly good opportunities are from God. Sometimes they're from the enemy. Anytime you have a chance to step into something new, you need to be sure to pray about it and make sure it's what God wants for your life. The enemy will give you something that looks good to divert you from your calling. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 31. As he begins his message, how will you finish? We're going to be in 1 Samuel. We're finishing the book, but you guys know 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel really is just one. It really all runs together, but we're going to finish 1 Samuel and then um, we'll get into 2 Samuel in a little bit. So 1 Samuel chapter 31, and we are going to pray and uh, ask the Lord to go before us. Father, we thank you for this evening. And as we looked at 1 Samuel 31, the end of uh, this season, the end of Saul's life, the end of David running from Saul. Uh, God, as we contemplate and even consider life, uh, the brevity of life, Lord, um, the fact that all of us, Lord, we have an expiration date. God, I pray you would speak to us tonight, God, that we would consider our lives and how we live them, how we spend our days, Lord, that, um, that God, we would live well. I pray, God, as we look at a man who didn't finish well, that we would learn from the lessons that we might finish well. God, we might learn from the mistakes of those that have gone before us that we might not repeat them in our own day. So, God, speak to us through your word tonight as only you can. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. all right. I titled uh, 1 Samuel 31, How Will You Finish? And uh, as I said, we're, we're at the end of Saul's life here. Um, you guys remember the last thing Saul was told in 1 Samuel 28, he conjured up, he went to the medium and conjured up, you know, uh, had them to bring up Samuel and was told by God that, you know, basically was told that you're going to die. You and your sons will die tomorrow. So today in 1 Samuel 31, this is tomorrow. So, uh, you know, because in between 28 and 31, we had David go to war and win and everything else. I want you to note this. Well, let's jump. Let's jump in. So I don't get ahead of myself. Look at verse one. First Samuel 31, verse one. It says, now the Philistines fought against Israel and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. Now, if you guys remember before this, David was ready and willing to go with the Philistines to war. Remember that? That was this war. And were it not for God intervening, David would have been here aligned with the adversaries of God to go 
doing to do what David was unwilling to do when he had the opportunity. Right. David was unwilling to go and touch the Lord's anointed when he had two opportunities, had completely caught Saul slipping. David said, I I know I'm not supposed to do that. And even as his men encouraged him to do it, he said, no, I'm not supposed to do that. And I'm not I'm not going to do and I'm not going to let y'all do that, because remember, he could have just been quiet and did nothing. And and his guys would have gladly done it. Uh, David, you know, he had some real hoodlums with him. And so he had to pause them that they didn't kill Saul in the process. Something we'll see wonderful. I don't, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to cheat too much into the next study. But David, at, at Saul's death, uh, David sing. there's a psalm that he writes, a song that he puts forth. And in it, you're going to hear David's heart that David, the, one of the biggest victories, I, this is just a cheat ahead into the next two weeks, right? David didn't let bitterness, the, for all that Saul did to David, when he died, David didn't rejoice in his death. And David spoke well about Saul. David, I want you to think about this. Some, if you got someone that that's really made life difficult for you, because Saul really made life difficult for David, amen? And after he died, when now David could have said his peace, he could have said, man, that's, he got, I mean, he got what he had coming. He, he, he died under the judgment of God. I mean, David only spoke well of Saul. And it, to me, that is the, it is the picture of a guy that said, I, I didn't let bitterness take root in my heart. I don't hate the man. I'm not glad that he's dead. I recognize he was God's guy. Even though he was a jerk to me and he was chucking spears at me and chasing me in caves and coming from my life, um, he doesn't speak ill of him. That, that has to, I mean, anybody here struggling with bitterness, I pray you'll just take that. Maybe you need to read ahead and let the Lord sow that deep within your spirit. Say something good about the person you're bitter at. Um, find the good thing about them. They pretty, you know, they, they got nice teeth. Um, the, the teeth that they talk bad about you with are nice teeth. They're very white. You know, find something good you can say and just let the Lord make it real in your heart. So, but bring it back here now. So David, had he not been stopped by God, the Lord shut the door on David by having the other Philistine king say, no, he can't go with us. God had to intervene in David's life and shut this door so that he didn't make this horrendous mistake. And so I just pause to say that for all of us, there are things that there are times where God will let you go ahead and mess up. And everybody here has done that because I know we've all messed up. Amen. But sometimes God in his grace and his mercy and his love will say, you, you know, I'm going to just shut that door for you. And we need to be able to thank God for the doors that he shut. The times where God has intervened and said, you you don't even know how to get out of your own way. You know, I was I was I was pondering this thinking, you know, where, where are those things in my life? You know, where God had to he had to stop me or, or get, you know, he had to intervene for me. And there have been multiple times or as I look at the earlier part of my life as a younger believer, early marriage. Um, I knew that there was a call of God upon my life and something that the enemy seemed like the enemy would do was give me other opportunities. And those would become my battle. There would be another opportunity. And there are times where there are opportunities that I assumed y'all have heard my fire department story. So, I mean, imagine bumping into a fire, a fireman in 7-Eleven and he says, man, I really like you. I think you should get a job and I'm, I'll wave fire science and I will. You can you could come to the fire academy. Inglewood has his own fire academy. 
You go through the eight week academy. We'll bring you on as a um, what they call it. A, I forgot. I forgot the uh, uh, auxiliary, and then you'll be hired on as a fire a fireman. And I never prayed. I said, praise God. I mean, I, I bumped into God today. You know, I went home to my little wife. We were newly married. Um, I said, man, this this has to be God, right? I just the guy is offering me all this stuff, and so I quit a job. That was God's will, though. That that job needed to go. Cause uh, I was, it was a lot of hours. That was, a, that was a good job for me when I was single, but I quit a job. I bought all the equipment and I go into this Academy, never asked God, never said, Lord, do you want, I just, I thank God for it. And as I got halfway to, into the Academy, they took us to where the men lived. Now I had never planned to live with men. I live with her, right? So I had never planned to not be home with my wife and my family. I'm a family man. That's how I'm wired. I, I plan to be home with my wife and kids. And I got there and I saw the guy and they said, yeah, we're four days here, four days off, four days on, four days off. And I'm like, you stay here four days? And they said, and it's rotate. So they said it'll go Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then it'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then it'll be, you know, I'm like, so I'm, I start doing the math. I'm going to miss a lot of Sundays. I'm called into the ministry and I'm going to miss Wednesdays. That's a lot of missing. I can't, you can't do ministry on a schedule. And my heart sank into my stomach as I sat there and thought, this is not God's will for me. Cause I already knew I was called. I was not on staff anywhere, but I knew I was called to ministry. I remember going home that night and I probably looked like death when my wife saw me. And I just, I told her, I said, this, this is not it. And it looked like such a great opportunity, but it wasn't from the Lord. And the lesson I learned was that you got to pray about every opportunity. And so that one, the Lord said, I didn't shut that door. I want you to feel the burn of walking through every open door you see without asking me. And so sometimes the Lord will open doors. Sometimes the enemy will open doors, doors of distraction, doors to take you away from true purpose, true calling. In the same way, there are times where God will shut doors. And I love the, the revelation passage where God said, look, the Lord, he, is, he, he opened doors no man can shut. But he also at times will shut doors that no man can open. And sometimes uh, the Lord does that for our own good. I believe in David's case here, the Lord for his own good shut this door and did not allow him. I I just can't even imagine because in just a moment, David's best friend is getting ready to get killed in this war. Imagine the baggage David would have carried. I mean, out on the battlefield, and there's Jonathan with my guy. What do, you, what do you even do here, right? How torn would he have been? How conflicted would he have been? I, the Lord spared him uh, a travesty. And I, I, I just, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thanking God for David. Like, Lord, you are so good when you don't let things happen that we would have we would have just foolishly gone ahead if you didn't stop us. Thank you for intervening. Thank you that you're sovereign. Thank you that you're, you, even when we're bent, dumb, you know, just bent on doing the sheep, you know, that the Lord, he'll snatch us up and say, oh, I'll break your legs and carry you around for a little bit. So verse two now, then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons and the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab and Malcheshua, Saul's son. So all three of Saul's sons die at this point. And, and I read this and I think even Jonathan dies. Now here's the interesting thing. The right, the, the rightful heir to the throne, if Saul, when Saul dies, like the Lord told him he would die this day, would have been Jonathan. And, and if it weren't Jonathan, it would have been one of these other sons. Now, we all know Jonathan would have willingly surrendered over to David, but we don't know about these other two cats. Um, and so uh, there's been enough drama for David about him becoming king. 
And it may be a mercy of God that God said, we'll just, we're, this will be done today. They're, they're all going to, it, it had already been told, Saul, you and the, it's all, it's all going to end today. So all three of the sons die at this point. And again, I, I think that in the future would alleviate some of the drama about David finally assuming his position as the king of, of Israel. Verse three, it says the battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him. And he was severely wounded by the archers. Um, so we see. So at this point, Saul is injured. It's a it's a fatal wound, um, but it's not going to happen quickly. You know, he got hit by the archers. And so he's fatally wounded. But I believe that in this moment here, Saul gets what we would call a uh, a, a deathbed experience. Right. Because some people die like this. Boom. It's over with. But some people get that that opportunity to lay in a hospital bed, knowing you're going to die, knowing that you're dying, but you got some time there. And so, you know, you might see this and think, wow, what's what's David going to do? Or what's Saul, pardon me, what is Saul going to do with this opportunity? He knows he's dying. Will he finally cry out to God? Will this be the time that Saul says, Lord, I need to cry out to you. Lord, I need you. Would this be the time where he finally gets right? He knows you're dying. I would love to see Saul here say, man, God, I'm messed up. I would love to see a Psalm 51 scenario here for King Saul where he says, God, I, you were so good to me and I was so bad. Just forget, you know, I would love to see that, but we're not going to see Saul doesn't cry out to God in his last moments. The last person he cried out to was who? A witch, a demonic, a, a demon conjuring up witch of indoor. That's the last person he cried out. He's he's not crying out to God even here. So Saul's heart is so hardened. He's even at this moment, he's hit by the archers. We're going to watch a man in fear and desperation and with death looming over that doesn't have the, the thought to cry out to God. He starts trying to figure it out for himself still, even in his death, even at the end of his life. And so he doesn't repent. Let me just say this, right? It is a mercy of God for some people that they find out they're dying before they die. I think that heaven, I think there's probably a whole section of heaven of people that got hit with some death news and had the opportunity to really contemplate what they're going to do about eternity uh, before they die. I've had the privilege as a pastor of the privilege that I've been able to go to bedsides and I've seen people reject God all the way to the end. But I've seen people broken. I've seen people on hospital. I've seen people that I think when I'm looking at them, I think maybe this is what it was going to take for this person to be broken enough to finally submit and surrender and while the family calls you to pray for, pray to God would heal him. You know, I'm like, this is God is healing him, right? This because now he's going, he's going to die, but he's going to make it to heaven. And um, sometimes that's the best thing that, that God in the brokenness of death, God is doing a deep work in people. And so never, never overlook that. Sometimes every one of us, we, I want everybody to be healed. When I find out somebody I love or care about is sick, I want to be healed. But I never know, God, what you might be doing. What might you be doing through this season of illness? Are you drawing them close? Are you taking them deeper? Are you revealing to them more? Are you building a testimony? Are you giving them an example? There's so much that God could be doing. We know it's not his will to heal everybody, but we do know that every believer will ultimately be healed. Amen? Nobody, nobody's going to heaven hurting. Nobody's going to heaven with a, you know, you won't be blind, lame, maimed, hurt. Everybody will eventually, every believer will eventually be healed of everything 
Um, and so rather it's on earth or it's in his presence, uh, we know that we will ultimately be healed. And so, um, so Saul is severely wounded by the archers. Verse four, it says, then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it. Lest the uncircumcised men, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. And so I just want you to consider here now, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to be fair to Saul here. He has legitimate concern here. Uh, it was a known fact. If you got caught, captured by the enemy, they were going to abuse you. Uh, they were chopping off toes and big thumbs, gouging out eyes, marching you around naked and humiliating you. You were a captured trophy for them. If they could capture him like Samson, you guys remember that when they captured Samson, they didn't kill him. That's how we got him. Ha <laughs> ha. They gouged out his eyes. He was blinded, binded and grinding at the meal. And whenever they had a celebration, man, bring out, bring out Samson that gave us all that trouble, man. Let, let us make fun of him and laugh and, and everything else. And so Saul said, I, I don't want that to happen to me. And so he tells his armor bearer, man, stab me, thrust me through with this. I'm fatally wounded, but I'm not going to die fast enough. Uh, go ahead and kill me. Now, Here's the problem with that. So we'll talk about suicide a little bit. Um, is it ever okay to take my life into my hands? Right? Um, there's some have thought, you know, well, if you already know you're going to die and you want to speed up the process, Dr. Kevorkian type stuff, life and death belongs to the Lord. If the Lord has given you life, you live that life until that life is gone. Um, it's not the believer as a believer, right? We're not to take our lives. Now, there may be circumstances where a person would want to. Uh, there are people that live with chronic pain and they struggle with thoughts of just not wanting to deal with it anymore. Um, so there are scenarios in this life where people are legitimately, uh, they're, they're vexed and they're struggling. And so we want to pray. I don't want to be rude or harsh in, in what I'm saying, because I do know people that are it's a real battle. That's a real a real place of struggle for them um, as believers, though. We, we want to arrive at a place where we say, God, my life's in your hands. Uh, if I'm in pain, God, you know, you, you know better than anybody else, the pain that I'm in. God, my life's in your hands. If you would have mercy and reduce the pain, if you're going to give me grace to endure the pain, uh, my life's in your hands. That's where we want to leave our lives as believers. So he asked his armor bearer to thrust him through with the sword. He tells us why. He says, least these uncircumcised Philistines come and thrust me through and abuse me. It says, but his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. I thought that was interesting. Um, as Saul is afraid, so is everybody under his leadership. Right. Um, he's a scared. He's he been scared. And is everybody under his care is afraid. Just his armor bearer is like, I'm not going to do it. He was greatly afraid. There says, therefore, Saul took a sword and he fell on it. And so uh, we would call that suicide, right? We would call that Saul said, I'm not going to wait for them to kill me. My armor bearer won't do it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take this into my own hands. And so even at the end of his life, we're looking at a man that doesn't say, Lord, doesn't say God, doesn't look up, doesn't cry out, doesn't, doesn't seek the Lord whatsoever. He's doing it. He's, the way he's been living his life, he's been doing it his way. And that's the way his life ends. The man that says, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. I'm, I'm going to end on my own terms. Um, here's the sad thing with this. And um, for anybody here that I, and I, I've dealt with suicide, uh, 
not me personally, I don't, I've never struggled with that, but I've, I've dealt with it in the sense of I've known people that have committed suicide that I personally know. Uh, I've seen the effects and the outfall. I know the reasons that they had in their mind as to why. Um, I believe that um, you know Saul's situation here is, is one where he probably felt like I'm gonna die anyway. And I don't want it to. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to fall into the hands of these guys. Let me. Let me hasten my own death. Let me speed this thing up. However, we slice it. Saul was saying, "God, I'm not waiting on you, and I don't trust you, and I'm going to take care of this myself." That's what he did. Um, now, there's another story about Saul's death that comes up. So um, we get it in chapter. One of 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 Second Samuel, I'm going to leave that alone completely tonight, so that we can talk about it when we get there. So y'all have to come back for that. Uh, we'll deal with the story before us tonight. But there's somebody runs up later and says, "Ha ha, I got some new news." But you know, if you know, you know. If you don't, read ahead. Uh, but at this point, it says Saul fell on his own sword. He committed suicide. He killed himself. That's what the text says. He Saul uh, took a sword and he fell on it. And it says, and when his armor bearer saw that he was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So I want you to note this. Even in Saul's last, the last thing he does as a leader, as a king, is he takes his own life and he leads the one guy with him to do what he did. He's still leading, but he's not leading in, he's not leading in faith. He's still leading in fear, right? This is how Saul's been leading. Remember earlier when Saul was afraid and everybody with him was afraid and, and it's been that that's this the way Saul has been leading because he's he's not trusting God. So let me say this about fear, because there are other men in scripture that are in worse, dire straits that seem bold and courageous and joyful even because they're trusting God. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Right. They were threatened. If y'all don't sing this song, if you don't bow down to my image when everybody else does, you guys will be thrown into the burning, hot, fiery furnace and they didn't bow. And then they got a second opportunity. He said, I'm, I'm going to give you all one more time. I heard you didn't bow, but if you do it today, it will be all, we'll be all good. And they said, look, sir. And this, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but you go back and read it for yourself. They said, look, we don't care if you throw us in or not. We're not bowing to your God. Not not going to do it. If we if if we're going to we burn, we burn, but we're not bowing. They, I mean, they took a, such a, a harsh and then they got thrown in. They so they got thrown. He, he turned up the fire hotter than ever. The men that walked them down burned up, but they didn't burn. They walked in and the Lord was says it was a fourth image in there with them. The Lord was there with them. The, the, the bonds burned off. They weren't sins or burned. The Lord just showed up with them. Again, I read a story like that and I'm thinking, where did that courage come from? These were men that were right with God. And they said, look, even if we die in obedience to God, I'll die in obedience to God before I bow to your silly image. And they meant that because they had to mean it because they got thrown in. And the Lord saw it and he said, no, I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna show, this is cool. These guys trusted me like that, I'm gonna show up. The interesting thing is this, we don't get this amazing story of God showing up in the fire if these guys punk out, if you will. If they had to say, well, God knows our heart, we're going to bow to the image and, you know, then we don't get this wonderful. The only reason we see God show up is because they said, God, our lives are in your hands. And, and if we burn, we burn, but we burn in obedience to you. 
And if you show up, you know, they didn't they didn't they didn't know that was an option, but the Lord showed up and that was pretty cool, you know, that he did. So again, we, we see those scenarios, and so we know there's an alternative. Some people will read this and they were like, he had no choice. They were gonna abuse him. He was gonna die. You don't know that. Faith always says there's room for God in faith. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David in 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.